I have a um, short message for you this morning from the uh, the lectionary passage. The lectionary passage is from John chapter 18, verses 33. I'm not just going to read it and be done, but close to. John uh, chapter 18, and I'm pretty sure the lectionary passage is 33. Like, I think it finishes a bit earlier. I think it finishes at like 37. But I'm going to do a few extra verses because... I like to cheat when it comes to the lectionary passage because I'm sure that the people who framed this had a very clear view of why they should chop things up the way they did. I just disagree with them. So I am mostly following the lectionary and sometimes just deciding to cover more because I think that it's necessary for context. So before I introduce that, though, I will give you some more context. That's to say, this is the scene between Jesus and Pilate when he's kind of saying, who are you? Uh, and prior to this, we've obviously had the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've had Peter's repeated denials of knowing who Jesus is. And we've had the questioning of Jesus by Annas, who is the former high priest, but he's kind of like a high priest emeritus. He did it for so long that everyone just still calls him the high priest. But Caiaphas is the high priest during Jesus' time. So he's so first he's taken to Annas, and then Annas says, now nah, take him to Caiaphas. And then John, uh, is this John? Yeah, John doesn't really talk about how he's with Caiaphas, but he says he says that Jesus is sent to Caiaphas, and then this passage opens with Jesus going from Caiaphas, being brought to Pilate. So this is in verse 33. It says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. All right. So we have Pilate. Now, I don't know, like Pilate is this weird character in history because in the early church, they kind of tried to redeem his personality, his character, his identity. They kind of made him out to be like, like he washed his hands. He didn't really want to condemn Jesus. You know, like they've painted him as like almost like a, not a good guy, but as a person who was not completely to blame, that some of the New Testament narrative kind of tries more clearly to say it was the Jews who killed Jesus and Pilate was just putting up with it. But history tells us another story. Pilate was a bloody despot. Pilate was a prefect from Rome. He was a bad guy. He is not a contemplative, nice guy who considered Jesus guilt or non-guilt. Pilate's a dirtbag. So I just want to make, that's my opinion from the outset. Pilate is a bad guy. 
And any story that kind of tries to gloss over that, like the Jews did not like Pilate. And the only reason he's here in Jerusalem at the moment is because during the festivals, normally he would have been probably down in Caesarea, Maritima, there was like a big hoo-ha there and a palace for him there, whatever. But he would have come to Jerusalem for the festivals because he was worried that there might be an uprising, some kind of fight uh, where the Jews, because remember Passover festival is when they're remembering being set free from bondage. So it's a time of year where they're most likely to say, hey, screw the Romans, let's have a fight and let's go to war, let's create problems. So it's the time of year where that's most likely to happen. So he would have been in Jerusalem ready to make decisions to stop them having some kind of insurrection or uprising. And But if you look at Pilate, he did all sorts of awful things and the Jews hated him and eventually they managed to petition, uh, I think it was Augustus, uh, to get rid of him because they disliked him so much. And he, like, he would... His policy for getting rid of insurrection was just to kill everyone, basically. And he did awful things in the temple and he took them the money from the temple and he built an aqueduct. And like he did awful things to the Jews and the Jews hated him. And it's possible that he had some kind of cushy arrangement going on with Caiaphas because Caiaphas was high priest for like, I think, like 16 years and 10 of them overlapped with Pilate. And when they got rid of Pilate, Caiaphas got retired as well. So there's like. Some evidence that there was political collusion between the high priest and Pilate. Anyway, I just Pilate's a bad guy. Don't don't be tricked into thinking otherwise. Rome is a despotic, tyrannical rulership that crushed the spirits of the people of Jerusalem. And during Passover, he was there to make sure that they didn't do anything that was anti-Rome. There's no democracy in the first century. Pilate is in charge of Jerusalem. So that's why a claim to kingship at Passover, a claim that someone is there as the king of the Jews is treason. And this is the kind of trumped up charge that is, well, I guess it's a real charge, not so much trumped up, that's being brought about Jesus. And it's why the high priests, and it says plural there, because like I said, Annas is pretending to be high priest still. And then you have Caiaphas, why he's been brought to them. And now they have brought him to Pilate to say, we don't have the, the legal right to kill this bloke, but you do get rid of him. This is important for Pilate because he's like, is there going to be an uprising? You know, it was only a couple of days ago, this guy's coming into town and they're laying down palm leaves and stuff. Do I need to be worried about this bloke? So Pilate went back inside the palace. We're not sure where the palace was. Some people think it was on the Temple Mount in Antonia's fortress because there was like a garrison on the top of the Temple Mount where Herod's big temple was. There was a garrison there and like a little castle, basically. Some people think that Pilate was there. I don't. There's a Herod got a palace on the other side of town on the western slope. I reckon that's where he is. So it says here, Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? This is the important question. Are you going to cause me trouble? Which is, And then Jesus says, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? Jesus is saying, are you, like, who really is asking this question? And, um, and Pilate simply says, uh, yeah, Am I a Jew? He's like, do I care about your stupid Jewish squabbles? This is not the question I'm asking you. I am asking you, are you going to cause problems for Rome? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? 
He wants to get to the bottom of the matter. He wants to know if there are problems for him. He clearly doesn't believe Jesus claimed a kingship because if Jesus was truly a king, a king of the Jews nonetheless, why would he be being brought to him by the Jews to be condemned and tried and killed? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Which incriminates himself because he says, my kingdom, which is indicative of the fact that he is a king. So now Jesus kind of puts his cards on the table there. Um, my kingdom is not of this world. That word is basileus. That's where we get like basilica. Um, my kingdom is not of this world. And I don't love the way that they've translated this in the NIV. I think that it doesn't explain the word right. So the, the word there is um, in the Greek. I don't know if I've written it down in my notes here. It's just, it's, it's ek, uh, which is to say out from or we say out of. So something went out of the building or it went out of the house. Um, so when it says here, my kingdom is not of this world, I think we need the out in front of it to truly make sense. He's not saying my kingdom is not of this world because it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. It's a detached in some way, not here. It's a different type of kingdom. That's not what he's saying. He's saying my kingdom did not come out of the world. That's not where its origin was. My kingdom has its origin in heaven, but it is coming into this world. So it's talking about the destination. My kingdom didn't come from here, but this is where my kingdom is coming to. Uh, N.T. Wright, I prefer his translation in his Bible for Everyone. He translates this, my kingdom isn't the sort that grows in this world. It's not the sort that, it's, it's an introduced species. It's come from heaven but it's going to grow here like a mustard seed. It's going to grow here. My kingdom might have come from somewhere else, but it is truly unlike any of the kingdoms of this world. See, Pilate has a picture of kingdoms. In kingdoms, you have despotic rulers. You have um, uh, monarchies. You have people who have inherited or who are taken by power and by force and by coercion uh, kingdoms. The kingdoms of the world are done by violence and they are done by trickery and they are done by cunning and deception. But his kingdom is not like that. It doesn't grow here. It's a kingdom that comes from a place of, of pure love and truth, and it is coming into this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, that is not from this world, that it does not grow in this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. But it's not talking about his kingdom just being a detached, spiritual, uh, separate realm. He's saying it came from another place. And it's going to transform this place. And the other place that it came from is not a place of violence like your kingdoms. You can't even comprehend or begin to understand my kingdom. I'm not coming on a war horse to bring destruction. I'm coming on a mule or a donkey uh, to bring peace. And I'm not coming to kill all my enemies. I'm coming to lay down my life for them. Worldly kingdoms are uh, insecure and fragile things that are founded on blood of the blood of their enemies. But Jesus' kingdom is from another place. And instead of violence, trickery, and insurrection, his kingdom is founded on the love of his enemies, on truth, and on resurrection. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus thinks he's got him here. But Jesus, Jesus isn't afraid of Pilate. What can Pilate do to him? You can't kill this kingdom. It comes back from the dead. You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world 
See, I come from this other place is what Jesus is saying. The reason I was born and come into the world is to testify to the truth. This word testify, matareo, is where we get our word martyrdom from. It's where it means to witness. He's, I have come from the other place to tell you and to witness to you and to testify to you about the truth. See, he doesn't claim to be king. He claims to testify about the truth. The truth that Jesus represents is an active force in this world that will grow and penetrate into everything. Truth is not simply a conception of right or wrong. He was born into the world to testify to the truth. He is the living, breathing witness and testifying truth of the love of God that manifests in a beautiful kingdom of righteousness and justice and love. You see, he's not like Caesar. He's not like Herod. He's not like any of the other kings of the past, the despotic, tyrannical rulers of violence and blood. He is truth. And the truth that he represents and he witnesses to is the truth that came before all creation, the truth of another kingdom and another world that is going to come into this kingdom and this world. And he has been proclaiming this truth through his whole life. He's been proclaiming this truth in his healings and his miracles. He's been proclaiming his truth in his power over nature and his power over the demonic realm and his teaching and in his authority he has displayed again and again. He has witnessed to the truth. And he turns to Pilate and he says, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. Because he is the witness. The, he is the, the martyreo. The, he is the martyr, the testifier of truth. So the question is, who are we listening to? Whose voice are we listening to? Do we listen to the, the kinds of truth that comes out of the world? Or do we listen to the truth that doesn't come from this world, that doesn't grow naturally in this place, that comes from a completely different place, but it is going to transform this place? Do we listen to the truth that comes from heaven, the truth that was, uh, that was born and testified here on earth? Do we betray the small, still voice that we hear calling us to love and to kindness and to peace? Or do we embrace that, that voice that we hear in our spirit? Do we embrace those moments in every day when we feel compelled to love, compelled to care, compelled to serve? Or do we put aside that and say, no, we don't need to do that? Because I don't know about you, but every day we are faced with moments where we can either choose to act out of selfishness or we can choose to hear the truth. We can choose to be an, a further witness of the power of the kingdom of God by acting positively towards the kingdom of God. Do we choose selfishness or do we choose self-sacrifice? Do we choose love and kindness and peace and gentleness? What is truth, retorted Pilate? Because to him, truth is just this philosophical nonsense. It's the stoicism. It's the, all this kind of stuff of the world. And he doesn't care. Your truth means nothing. Your meaningless um, philosophical truth is nothing without a sword to back it up. To, to, to Pilate and to Rome, truth is whoever has the biggest weapon. It's whoever is the most violent, the most in control. But truth to Jesus is, is completely different. What is truth, retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. You've got to remember because Pilate, Pilate doesn't want to cause an insurrection, but he also doesn't want to try this man unfairly. But deeper than that, Pilate just wants to make the Jews angry. He doesn't care for them. He doesn't like them. He probably doesn't want to even be in Jerusalem. He'd rather be on the seaside in Maritima. He would rather be doing things that he wants to do 
So he doesn't want to just immediately bow down and say, oh, you want to get rid of this troublemaker for you? I'll get rid of him for you. So he is causing trouble. I find no reason to get rid of this bloke. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. So there is a sense of, well, I'll just leave it in your hands. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? He says with contempt. And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. We know from the other gospel accounts that the, um, the Jewish people that gathered there, the rulers and the chief priests all said, no, 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 we have no other king but Caesar. We only listen to the truth that comes with the, the point of a sword. We only listen to the truth that comes from the world, the violence and the deception and the greed and the self-promotion. And we only listen to that kind of truth. We don't listen to the king of the Jews. They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had been taking part in an uprising. Barabbas was actually the thing that he should have been crucified for his crimes. He was committing a treason and trying to rise up a violent uprising. Jesus was not trying to create a violent uprising. He was trying to create a radical revolution through love and self-sacrifice. Barabbas was trying to create a radical revolution through violence. But they said, no, give us Barabbas. Give us the violent insurrectionists. And I think that in our hearts, we often make that decision. Give us the violent insurrectionist. When we have the option in our daily lives to choose peace and to choose service, but we choose contempt or superiority or violence, we choose greed, we choose lust, we choose the things of this world's kingdoms instead of the things of, of the kingdom that comes from above. So in our hearts, we need to call, we need to still the call to violence. We need to still the voice that says, give us Barabbas. And it's not just violence in terms of physical violence and control and, and coercion. It's the violence in our theology. The church throughout history and even today has incredibly, uh, it's been permeated by violent theologies. Theologies that hurt and damage and condemn and corrupt. Theologies that, uh, that instead of drawing people into the love of God, condemn people and push them away from the love of God. Theologies that are violent have no place in Christendom. We need to get rid of the violence uh, from our hearts and our politics and in our actions. But most importantly, we need to get rid of the violence in our theology. We must listen to Jesus who testifies to the truth. And the truth that Jesus testified to was one of self-sacrifice, one of forgiveness, one of reconciliation, one of love and kindness and peace. So Heavenly Father, I pray that that would be what is inside our heart, love and kindness and peace, a justice that brings about um, not just condemnation and not a justice that just punishes the wicked, but a justice that brings about righteousness a justice that restores and builds and, and replaces that is, uh, that, is which, that, that is broken, a justice that brings about goodness and peace. I pray that we would be witnesses to that kingdom. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.